Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 51, verse 1 through 6, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 1 through 8, the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13 through 20, and Psalm 138. Open our minds, warm our hearts, but also bend our wills, for we seek to hear your word. Amen. I love when my kids go back to school each fall. I love it. I love it not only because they are someone else's responsibility for six hours each day, I love it because of the way they come home from school. With all the exuberance of childhood, they run through the threshold, bursting at the seams with the excitement of all the fascinating new things they've learned from their teachers and from the other students. Mom, did you know that objects that sink in fresh water can float in salt water? Ma, did you know that infinity plus infinity plus infinity plus infinity is just infinity? (laughs) And my favorite from this year, Ma, how's your digital footprint? (laughs) This week, My boys collectively convened at the kitchen table to discuss a lesson that they had both had in their first and third grade classes. And my ears perked up as I heard little Arlo say, and that's how the world was made. (laughs) My parental anxieties leapt from my skin. We do live in Ohio after all. What are you guys talking about in here? Oh, we're just talking about how the world was made. Intrigued, I pleaded, tell me more. Well, our teacher took a great big balloon and she shook it up and she passed it around and we all got to hold it and squish it. And then she took it back and she and glitter went flying everywhere. (laughs) And all the particles and atoms and stuff, well, they're all over our classroom, and we'll be finding glitter for years. (laughs) Did I mention I love school because they play with glitter there and not at my house? I love that my children get to wonder and explore and expand their minds, their worldviews in this diverse environment of thought and experience. I really do love that the two creation narratives we find in the book of Genesis are not the only way that they will understand God's marvelous work in making this world. I love that science and faith are not mutually exclusive in their minds. And I love 
that they get to see glitter everywhere. Now, I don't know exactly what the opposite of glitter is, but I think I saw it this week, too. Let me tell you how I got there. After a long morning walk with some of my close friends on my day off, what I, I do every day off that I have, we discovered near the edge of the parking lot where we end our walk, there was this giant case of half-gallon cans of tomato sauce. Still cold from falling off a truck or maybe being left behind by someone who thought they were stealing something more exciting than marinara. I don't know how it got there, but there it was. So me and my friend Jane, who's a, also a priest in the church, we went looking for who it might belong to. Hmm, coffee shop? No, it probably doesn't belong to the coffee shop. We looked across the street and saw Pleasant Ridge Chili. Aha, we found it. We took a picture of the case of tomato sauce. We walked over, asked to speak to uh, the person in charge, and showed them the picture of what we thought was their missing beloved tomato sauce, to which he responded, um, I, no, we don't use that brand. We don't use that brand here. That's not ours. So we left, bewildered, looking to find who it might belong to. And as I walked toward the front door, out of the corner of my ear, I heard a voice that was the opposite of glitter. I'd throw it right back in his face. I'd get him back the way he got me. I'd expletive him to teach him a lesson. Whoa, it is 9 a.m., dude, and you're cussing in public and spewing revenge rage all over the place, and you probably just added to the list of reasons why I think the Apostle Paul was appealing to us to not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Days later, I'm still thinking of what I could have said to him, what I should have said to him, what I would do if I had just stopped and had the courage of Jesus, but instead I walked away in righteous indignation, wondering, I wonder if that guy says he's a Christian. Judgment is the easy way in this scenario. You all have probably experienced anti-glitter as well. The harder work I'm finding is me, over these past several days, asking myself, how could I have shown up for him? How could I present my body, indeed my whole self, as a single, holy, and living sacrifice unto God. What could I have done for this brother of mine if I had believed myself capable of the things that Paul talks about in his letter to the Romans today? 
if I believed myself capable of being a prophet, a minister, a teacher, an exhorter, a giver, a leader, or a compassionate person in that moment. What would our world look like if instead of judgment, we practiced curiosity? What if instead of seeing ourselves more highly than we might ought to, as separate individuals concerned only with my own wants and beliefs and desires who had no need of that man, and instead saw ourselves as members of one body, one collective community, one human family. When I moved to Cincinnati just over four years ago, I was invited to attend the first planning session of a newly forming um, interfaith collaborative for the celebration of joy. It's called the Cincinnati Festival of Faiths. It had long been a dream of the interfaith community of Cincinnati, which started out actually with the Greater Islamic Center of Cincinnati, the Jewish Federation, and the Episcopal Church creating a trialogue. Dialogue, tri, trinity, trialogue. But it just kept growing and growing. People actually wanted to be in relationship with one another. And today we have 37 faith traditions represented in our group. 37. The most diverse gathering of the faithful in our city and probably in our nation. This big in-person gathering gained traction in 2018 when the Brueggemann Center for Dialogue agreed to host the gathering at Xavier University's Sinta Center. We could get all the faithful together there. And that first year, over 2,500 people showed up. Our hopes of expanding opportunities for unity and collaboration for the greater good grew and grew from there, insisting that the relationships we built would permeate our lives and be present for us in the days beyond just that last Sunday in August. Festival of Faiths is how I met my dear friends, Jaipal and Assis Carr. I've told you a little bit about my friend Jaipal in the past. They're a young Sikh couple who shared so much wisdom and renewal of my mind and my spirit since I moved here to Cincinnati. And after Jai passed last year from cancer, Assis and I began to look for every opportunity to spend time together. As I had promised him, I would drop everything I had to care for her and to learn from her as often as I could. So a few months back, Assis called me on the phone and said, what are you doing tonight? 
I want to go hear this speaker, and I want you to come with me. I'll drive. All right, I said, let's go. Well, it turns out we were driving all the way to Indianapolis. <laughs> but sometimes trust and availability are all that you need for something wonderful to happen. The speaker was a childhood friend of Assis's from her community. Her name is Valerie Carr. A woman who, in my own little bubble, I had never heard of, let alone that she has TED Talks and had addressed Congress and everything else. I found that Valerie was someone I deeply resonated with. As she began speaking about the groaning of our, of our nation in labor for a collective peace, for compassion through action, for a greater good sounded familiar to me. Hopefully it does to you too. She compared this time of our lives to her experience of giving birth to her own children and how our capacity to learn to breathe and push is what brings new life into this world. Valerie talked about a revolutionary kind of love that requires us to see ourselves as belonging to one another. Her Sikh wisdom literature I heard in the words of Jesus and in the words of the Apostle Paul that we hear together today. You are many members of one body. Valerie's life has become a practice of devotion in seeing family in each person she meets. She tells, uh, told us how just walking down the street, she would look at people and say, brother, auntie, child, claiming them as members of her own self, completely belonging to one another, creation of the same creator, little specks of glitter bursting forth from the beginning of all things. She spoke of our capacity for creativity and for our deep need to reclaim a childlike sense of wonder that makes us curious about the world around us, about the people around us. She begged us to look at our neighbor and recite a life-changing mantra that I think rings true for all of us in every person we encounter along the way. She told us, say this, when you see a neighbor, say to yourself, you are a part of me I do not yet know. You are a part of me I do not yet know. If we say this, Valerie says, we will never see a stranger. She wrote a whole book about it, in fact. It's called 
see no stranger. I commend it to you. I found myself thinking about it a lot this week. What if I had looked at that man in the chili shop like that? What if I had seen him as a part of me? A part of me I did not yet know, and maybe even a part of me that I didn't always like. What if I believed that we truly were members of one body? What if I believed that and then my actions reflected that belief? What if I had the courage of Jesus? The world would be different, wouldn't it? The world would look a little more like heaven if we saw no stranger. So we're nearing the end of this sermon series on Paul's letter to the Romans. The end is near. And here in chapter 12, we finally get to what the Apostle Paul's whole point of this whole letter is. That the end is near. All of his writing about why diversity and inclusion are so essential to our understanding of Jesus is because Paul believes that if we are to bring about the kingdom of heaven, we will need to include all people. This radical welcome, this revolutionary kind of love, is so fundamentally necessary for our life of faith in Jesus Christ. We have to see Jesus as someone who gave us a gift that told us that we belonged. That we belong to God. That we have God's love within us. We only have to look to the life of Jesus to see that this was true. He came and welcomed all people to gather near, to eat at the table, to see even the unlovable of this world loved by God. He taught us to see God in our neighbor, to say to them, you are a part of me I do not yet know. Members of one body, little specks of glitter from the same balloon. I love when my kids go back to school. I love it because I get to see all of the joy that comes from their capacity to wonder. I see the spark of delight in realizing that all the little particles and atoms all that make up this beautiful, beautiful world that they're connected to one another. And that if we want to know why glitter glistens, then we have to know the light that it reflects. That there is something so magnificent beyond us. That it would take all of our collective wisdom of all the world, of all its religions, for us to even begin to understand a little bit of how loved we are and how belonging we are and what we're made for and made of. 
Today is the last Sunday in August. And so I invite you to join me and to join my friend Assis at the Cincinnati Festival of Faiths. It's from 12 to 5 p.m. at the Cintas Center. The Sikh community will be providing a free meal at their langar out front. I pray that you will partake of it and that it will remind you of the meal that we share together here today. A table where the hungry are fed, where all are welcome, and where we see no stranger.